I want to, first of all, begin by just saying I was approached last week from someone and they said, the, my message that I had last week, they said, you wrote that message just for me, didn't you? It was, bore, it was more or less at me and I said, nope, I don't work that, I don't operate that way. You know, we're in a series called, from the book of James and I'm just following what, what the book of James has here. And so I, I don't do any, anything with someone in mind. If I, if I have someone in mind, it's usually me <laughs> because I need to hear these things. But I want to begin this morning with uh, a couple thoughts here before we get right into the message. And that is this, uh, this, this first one says husbands, a husband to his wife. It's just the beginning of football season, okay? And so the husband says to his wife, he turns to her and says, on the first football game of the year, he says, is there anything you want to say before the season starts? Some of you will get that. Some of you may not. (laughs) And then there was a man who compared his wife to an angel. He said, my wife is an angel. She's always up in the air harping about something. Maybe that's true. I don't know. <laughs> on, a, on a windswept hill in an English country churchyard stands a drab gray slate tombstone. The quaint stone bears an epitaph not easily seen unless you stoop over and look very, very closely. The faint etching reads this beneath this stone a clump a lump of clay lies arbella young who on the 24th day of may began to hold her tongue <laughs> how many of you i don't want to see your hands <laughs> How many of you have ever said something and the moment those words left your mouth, you instantly knew that you shouldn't have ever said it? (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. I learned that very early in my ministry when I was about 24, 25 years old. I was at the Bloomsburg, the First Christian Church in Bloomsburg, the First Church Christ in Bloomsburg there. And this lady came to our church to visit and when she when she walked in, I can't believe I said this, but I did. I asked her when she was due. And she looked at me as if I had shot her mother and said, I'm not expecting. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, needless to say, I wanted to jump in the baptistry and hide. But you know what I did? I learned from that mistake to never under any circumstance, to ever ask that question again. Never. I would never ask that question again. And I would say that if I had a nickel for every time I said something stupid, well, a nickel isn't worth a lot, but I'd probably be in that $500 millionaire, $500 millionaire um, category because I've said a lot of stupid things. It reminds me of a story about three, three preachers from the same town who were preaching at different churches who went on this fishing trip together, having spent the whole day together on the lake, well, they started to confide in one another about things that they had done. 
you know, and so they were they were confessing their sins to one another. And so the first preacher starts by saying this. He says, you know what my big sin is? My big sin is drinking. I know that that's wrong, but I still do it. The second preacher opened up and said, well, you know what? My big sin is gambling. You see, I, I went to Las Vegas last year and, and I lost thousands of dollars. And the third preacher started talking. He says, guys, you know what? You should have you should have let me gone first. And the other two preachers are looking puzzled, and they ask why. And he says, well, my, my big sin is gossiping. <laughs> you know, every day we speak thousands of words. And so what I did this past week was I asked Google, and I'm, I'm not going to ask her any more questions because she, she came back with this, this, this question that I asked, and I didn't like her answer. The question I asked was this. I go, on average, how many words does a woman speak each day as opposed to a man speaking? Here's what she said to me, and I quote, you know, and I was actually offended by her answer. She said, on average, a woman will speak about 20,000 words a day compared to a mere 7,000 words that men utter. <laughs> that men utter. You know, usually when they when you use that word utter, it's not in a good connotation. And so I'm sitting there saying, women speak, but but we men, we utter. But notice what she said there. She said, women speak 20,000 words a day as opposed to 7,000 that a man might speak. Wow. So every day, you and I speak or utter thousands of words. You know, some are carefully planned and selected. Others are spoken impulsively. You know, some are are spoken quietly. Others are spoken with more volume. Some of our words are spoken with the desire to help and encourage. Some are spoken with the motivation to hurt, to belittle, to retaliate because of, you know, they're spoken out of anger. But, But sometimes, not all the time, our words are spoken with little, if any, thought about how they might affect other people. That's, that's scary. And, you know, I have caught myself in that. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we started a series through the book of James entitled Living Out Your Faith in Real Time. It's real faith for real life in real time. And one of the primary messages of James is that real faith will affect every aspect of our life. The things that you do, the things that you feel, the things that you think, and especially the things that we say. Isn't that the truth? The things that we say. Listen to what James has to say at the beginning. Chapter 3, verse 2. He says this, and this is taken from the HCSB Bible, but it says this. It says, we, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. That's what he tells us. You know, it's embarrassing, isn't it, to stumble? I mean, look at, look at Joe Biden. I'm not getting political here, but look at Joe Biden. I mean, he stumbled going up the steps to the plane. And the whole world has never let him forget that, have they? Absolutely not. You know, he, he was riding his bicycle and he fell off of his bicycle. And the whole world saw it and no one lets him forget 
that. It's embarrassing, isn't it, to stumble. But we all do it. We all make mistakes. And we all stumble in what we say. We let the words fall from our mouths. And some of us do it way too often. And what James is saying is that our tongue is sort of a thermometer for our faith. It reveals our spiritual temperature, let's say. You know, when when our speech is full of truth and grace and gratitude and kindness and goodness and gentleness, what it does is it reveals the strength of our faith. That's what it does, the strength of our faith. You know, at work in our hearts. But when we, when our speech is full of negativity and gossip and lying and venom, what it does is it also reveals a weakness in our faith. So according to James, our words are extremely powerful. Absolutely powerful. In fact, you know, through the first 12 verses of chapter three, James uses Six word pictures to illustrate the power of our words and the power of this small part of our body, this thing that's in my mouth, the thing that's in your mouth, that little tongue can do so much damage. So we can put these six word pictures or these six pictures into three categories, meaningful categories that reveal the three powers of the tongue. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the three powers of the tongue. The first power is this. The first power of the tongue is the power to direct, to direct. First, James says the the tongue has the power to direct. Notice what it says there in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 5a. I'm, I'm just going to read down through there. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Notice he says we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He goes on to say, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, the whole animal, or take ships, for example. He goes on to say, although they are so large and are driven by a strong wind, they are steered by a very small rudder, a, smer- a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, and it makes great boast. That's what it does. Isn't that the truth? Isn't it that the truth? This statement is so true. You know, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. Absolutely. So the point that James makes with these illustrations is, is this. He, he, it's, it's just like we use a bit to direct a horse or a rudder to direct a ship. Our words have the power to influence and affect the course of our lives and the lives of other people. That's kind of cool in a way and yet at the same time that's kind of scary that's kind of scary you know the things that you say can steer someone's life in the right direction or in the wrong direction that's why 
when I was a youth minister, it was so important that I said the right things to the young people that I was dealing with because we can steer them so well into the right direction or the wrong direction, and we want to steer them in the right direction. I like this. When the great painter Benjamin West was a young boy, he decided to draw a picture of his sister. And so he got out the bottles of ink and and succeeded in, in making a mess. When his mother got home, she said this. She said, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. And she kissed him. And, and later on in his life, he said, what she said to me and that kiss that she gave to me is what made me a painter today. That encouragement. That encouragement. The things that you say are influencing all people around you, even when you don't even know it. Even when you don't even know it. You know, this this little boy was leaving church one Sunday morning, and he was walking by the minister, and he slipped a dollar bill into the preacher's hand. And the preacher looked at him confused and asked him, what is, what is that for? What's this dollar for? And the, and the little boy looked up at him and said, because I feel sorry for you, and I wanted to help you out. Well, that confused the preacher even more. And so, so he asked, well, why do you feel the need to help me out? Why do you feel sorry for me? And the boy said, because my daddy says, and that's the, that's the beginning of trouble, because my daddy says you're the poorest preacher that he's ever heard. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, you know. So I'm telling you right now, if you want to slip anything to me, it better not be less than a 20. <laughs> that is for sure. No dollar bills here, buddy. But you see, people are listening. And they, they, they might not get... They, they might not be getting the right message. You know, here's what Solomon said in, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. He said, the tongue, the tongue can bring death or it can bring life. Those who love to talk, they're going to reap the consequence. Never underestimate the power of your words to affect people's lives, whether it, it's good or it's bad or it's positive or it's negative. You know, Jesus, remember, he spoke to the woman at the well, and it changed her life forever. Remember that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and and 3,000 souls that day were baptized and came to Christ that day. Your words really do have the power to direct, but they also have the power to destroy. That's what James tells us next. The second power of the tongue is the power to destroy. And he illustrates this truth with, again, two different word pictures. First, he compares our tongue to a fire. Notice what it says there in 5 and 6. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. That's what he tells us. The tongue is also a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, that, that's, that's, quite, that's quite a word picture there, isn't it? 
There have been so many forest fires that have burned thousands upon thousands of acres of land in the U.S. You know, it was back in October of 2020 that there was a fire in Solano County, California, that burned around 300 acres of ground. Now, that's not a whole lot compared to what some of these fires have done. But it burned about 300 acres of ground. A lot of it was cause of the wind gust was like 30 miles an hour, and that didn't help. But the whole fire, this whole fire started as a result of someone throwing a cigarette butt on the ground, which ignited a small spark, and in return, it burned 300 acres of ground. Did you know that in Canada... 11% of their forest fires are caused by people who don't put out their cigarettes properly. 11% of their fires, their forest fires, is caused by people who don't put out a cigarette properly. Nearly 85% of the wildland fires in the United States are caused by humans. Human-caused fires result from campfires left unattended. You know, you go camping and and you leave that campfire. You don't put it out properly. Or burning debris. You know, I've seen where people, they they just started. One of the, one of the biggest underground fires. And what's the, what's that town called, Sarah? The, the, after Catawissa going over to Ashland. What's that again? Centralia. Centralia. Thank you. So, So there's an underground fire that started by someone burning some trash, burning some debris, and it's burned thousands upon thousands of acres underneath the ground. You know, in some places where there's sinkholes because it's all fallen through. So, you know, but but that's what it causes. Um, negligence and discarding cigarettes. And some of those have been intentional acts of arson. But it's it's this idea, such a small spark can can cause such great destruction but you know what? Here's what I think. Our words can be just as destructive in a, in a person's life. Just like that small spark that burns 300 acres or 10,000 acres. Sometimes it's the little things that we say that, that hurt the most. You know, callous insults, careless gossip, explosive anger can break people's spirits. It can ruin reputations. It can instill hate and bitterness. Remember this old saying, (laughs) and it just doesn't hold true. Do you remember it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names can never hurt me. How many of you remember that saying? Do you remember saying it yourself? Sticks and stones may break my bones and names can never hurt me. Again, we know that that saying just isn't true. It is absolutely wrong because you see, just as much as sticks and stones hurt, words do hurt, don't they? Absolutely. And sometimes they can leave lasting effects upon us, maybe even a lifetime of effects upon us because of how we were treated or or what was said to us. And that's what James points out in our next illustration He says this in in verses 7 and 8. Notice what he says. He says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
Uh, when I think of that, I think of a, a snake, you know, his tongue slithering like that. It's just kind of, but that's my tongue. That's me. You know, several years ago, how many of you wa- ever watched Animal Planet? Anybody here? Okay, so some of you have watched it. Several years ago, there was a special on Animal Planet about people who have been bitten while, by wild animals. One of the stories that they told was of a man who was a snake handler and had done this for a number of years. He was particularly famous for handling cobras. One of the most venomous snakes on planet Earth. One day after a demonstration, he was trying to place this six-foot cobra back into its holding bin. Before he could get the lid closed, the, the cobra snapped at him and bit him on the stomach. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that or not. Bit him on the stomach. The contact lasted less than a second, but that was long enough for the snake to inject its venom. Several hours went by while the handler was being transported to the hospital awaiting the anti-venom. And he survived the attack. But over the course of a few hours, the venom from the cobra had eaten away his flesh, leaving a softball-sized hole in the middle of his stomach. At the end of the segment, which was kind of interesting, they showed him lying on the couch with a soda can sitting in the hole. (laughs) I guess you can use it for something. I guess they don't need a coaster, does he? (laughs) But that's what he did. He was sitting in that soda can right in the middle of that hole. You know... That's what cruel and critical comments are like. They sting and they eat away at you. They absolutely do. And if, if they're repeated often enough, what they can do is they can burn a hole right through your heart. Maybe not big enough to set a soda can on, but it still doesn't matter. Do you ever use words like those? Does your sarcasm bite like a serpent? Does your cynicism sink its fang into your prey? Do you inject the poison of criticism into your spouse? What about into your kids? What about into your family? What about into your friends? What about your brothers and sisters in in Christ at the church? Do you spout hurtful comments in the car on the way to church and then you come to church and you sing praises to God as if nothing ever happened? Folks, these things ought not to be that way. And that's the the last message that James gives us in this passage on the power of the tongue. For you see, the third power of the tongue is the power to delight It's the power to delight. In addition to the power to direct and the power to destroy, our words have the power, the power to delight. And that's how we ought to use them. Here again are the last two illustrations that James uses, James uses in his final thoughts on this matter. He says in verses nine through 12 of James chapter three, three, he says, with the tongue, We praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings 
um, who, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, this should not be. Can, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the, the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Wow. The two final images that James uses are that of a fountain and a, and a fig tree. A fountain and a fig tree. A fountain ought to, and let me tell you, I have, I have drank from many fountains, but I'd say a fountain ought to be a source of cool and refreshing water. You know, thirsty people with parched throats ought to be able to come to a well and drink deeply and walk away rejuvenated. Have you ever been in a situation personally where you were just dying for a drink of water? Your throat was so dry that, that you didn't even have enough spit to muster up any spit at all. And that cool, refreshing water is so good and so refreshing. Have you ever been there, done that? You know, I think of the psalm. First thing that I came to my mind was this Psalm 42. 42 verse 1, where it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. I thought about that. When a hungry person finds a fig tree, they ought to be able to eat the fruit off of its branches and be nourished by that. That's what our words ought to be like for people that we talk to. When thirsty souls with dehydrated hearts come to you, they ought to be able to soak in your words and be refreshed and encouraged by them. That's the responsibility that we have. Your lips ought to bear the fruit of God's Spirit so that the people around you can be spiritually nourished and fed. And the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21a. It says, the lips of righteous nourish many. Notice that, the, the, the lips of righteousness, they, they, they nourish, they nourish many. But fools die from lack of sense. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> a lot of us are concerned about what we eat, aren't we, Bobby? We count calories, we count carbs, you know, we try to watch our sodium intake, we avoid, you know, those trans fats and high fructose corn syrup, which is all really bad for you. We try to do that. And, and it is good to eat healthy, but we ought to be so much more concerned with what comes out of our mouths than what goes in our mouths. In Matthew, Jesus said this. He says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. That's what he tells us. And Jesus later explained that comment when he said this in, in verse 18 of that passage. He says, he says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. This is why, as I said in the very beginning, 
This is why your tongue is a thermometer for your faith. You know, whatever is in your heart is going to eventually come out of your mouth. That's what it's going to do. So, so if you're filled with anger and bitterness and hatred and, and jealousy and, and just plain ugliness, it's going to show up in your words. But if your heart is filled with God's spirit, then the fruit of your lips will be love and, and joy and peace and, and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Oh, that I wish that my mouth could be that good all the time. Unfortunately, it isn't. And that is what this world needs. That's what your wife and your children need. That's what your husband needs. That's what your family needs. That's what your brothers and sisters in Christ need. That's what your coworkers need. That's what your neighbor needs. We all need that. When your tongue starts building people up instead of tearing them down, when the fruit of God's Spirit falls from your lips, then your family and everyone else around you will be nourished and encouraged by that fruit. People will be able to draw closer to God and experience His grace because of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, and the self-control that you speak into their lives. So, when you've got real faith for real life, in real time, it will show up in the way you talk. Our words are powerful. And on any given day, You and I speak thousands of them. And ladies, understand that you speak about three times more of the amount of words than what the man, what what men do. And all I'm saying to you is this, guard your heart and your mouth well. Guard it well. And the words we speak will have, they'll have power to direct. They have power to destroy. They have power to delight. My question is this, what will your words do today, folks? What will they do? We need to choose them wisely. When when your heart is filled with the Holy Spirit, then you won't have to worry about destroying people with your words. You won't. When you speak to people with gentleness and respect, you can direct them towards a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God. That's what we want to do. When, when you speak the, the truth and love, you can nourish people's spirits and, and you can delight their souls. I like this little, this poem here I want to just share with you called the, the power of words. It says, a careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may soothe the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word will heal and bless. The power of words. This morning, 
I want to encourage you this week to watch your words carefully. Pay close attention to the things that, that you are speaking into other people's lives. Ask God to help you. Ask him to fill you with, with his spirit. You know, if, if this is an area of your life that, that you need help or prayer with, please, you know, don't hesitate to come and talk with someone. You can come and talk to me, you know, and, and we will have other people praying for if you want. If you need someone to help you in that way, just ask. You know, this morning, as every day, Lord's Day morning, we want to offer an invitation to come. But if you need help in any of those areas that we're talking about this morning, please don't hesitate. So come this morning. You know, if you need to give your life over to the Lord in the water graves of baptism, we want you to come. If you need to rededicate your life unto the Lord this morning, we want you to come. If you need to place your membership with us and this church and say, I want to be a part of a body of believers, then, then you need to come. If you need someone to pray with you, then you need to come this morning. We give you that invitation to come.